This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. As we enter the first part of this year, we are trying to be helpful. Um, Hopefully you don't hear condescension here, but um, just the helpful advice of good friends that are coming alongside and saying, you know what, what are ways in which we can live out our faith better this year or encouragement to stay the course? Maybe you're already doing these things. So we're just putting together some resolutions. We started last week Friday with make or keep Sunday or church a priority. Yesterday we addressed the whole idea of being a a better sermon listener that you don't just – come to church and hear a sermon, but you're a better sermon listener, that you're intentional. Today, and we're going to apply this in in a church setting, but in a general way, avoid a critical spirit. And I actually think that this is so helpful just day by day. We have a saying in our house of don't be a contrary bear. Don't, Don't be that negative person that always is finding the fault in the moment that you're just being contrary just to be contrary which is similar to this idea of just having a critical spirit and these we're doing um seven of these again apparently we like the number seven but this comes from an article by john piper combating a critical spirit it's very similar to yesterday's show um, where i'm just going to provide the seven principles or or strategies and let these guys jump in with their pastoral wisdom and number one is recognize your own faults so you just come just comes right from the the words of our master jesus in the sermon on the mount matthew 7 verses 3 and 4 why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but not notice the log that is in your own eye or how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye while there is a log in your own eye as we think about criticizing or being critical of others or being critical of a sermon let's begin first by measuring our own weaknesses our own ineptitudes our our own um, need for grace before we begin to condemn and judge others and i think part of it is when we have a critical spirit at least in some sense we've elevated ourselves and taken the perspective of we have it all together we don't have any faults everybody else does and let me tell you about them I take comfort from the fact that it says in God's word, God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just this infant, infinitesimal dust back here. And I, I, have to real, I have to be humble when I'm talking to somebody. Number two is remember what you've been saved from. 
So this extends the first point once once we begin to acknowledge our own faults, our own weaknesses, our own our own need for grace, we, we can then be reminded of the grace that we've first been received. Ephesians four thirty two, be kind to one another, uh, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. The the call to extend grace to others is rooted in the fact that we have received grace ourselves. We've been saved from our sin. We've been saved from our weaknesses. We've been saved from the ways we disobey God's word, will, and ways in our own life. And if God has treated us, who, by the way, has been infinitely more offended than we could ever be by another person's actions, um, then how could we keep forgiveness or grace from another? And I, I think it's just helpful to remember that but by the grace of God, we would have continued on in, in that yes. state of rebellion or hard-heartedness or, or being a knothead or whatever, however you want to say it. it. We have received great grace through the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus that we didn't deserve. And sometimes I think we can distort the gospel truth and kind of say, well, they're, they're, they're a bad sinner. I wasn't. I just needed a little bit of grace. Well, no, we we all are great sinners, and we all needed a ton of grace, and we all received it um, freely, and we have been forgiven much. Thirty says, "Give thanks." I think this goes into what we talked about in the previous episodes too. That particularly in our situation here in Western culture, we have a great freedom and a great privilege to come into and listen to the preached word of God without fear. I mean, I don't just have one Bible. I've got a, a shelf of, of Bibles. There are Christians around the world who, under cover of darkness, uh, fear opening mm-hmm. their scriptures. And so even if we just start with that, one of the things I'll say um, before we stand to read the word is just a, a prayer of gratitude. God, thank you that we can stand up in public and open this word together without fear. Uh, just being grateful for the opportunity to experience that, that great privilege of hearing the preached and read word in public. I also think that you know, being thankful for what we have, we need to be careful that we don't make the uh, the perfect the enemy of the good. I mean, yeah. there you know, there you know, there are imperfections in uh, you know, we speak uh, <coughs> in imperfect ways. You know, we frame our thoughts that not the same way God frames thoughts. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But at the same time, you know, as we align ourselves with the Word of God, as we, you know, I think that very often somebody might be critical because they've heard somebody else say it different and they liked it better. And that, and so they're not even thankful for the very word that is being spoken. Well, and I think even on a practical level, even a meal that's not great is a meal. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to just think, well, there are so many in the world that don't have anything to put in their mouth. And even though this might not have turned out exactly what I had hoped or it's not as good as what I had wanted, it's still food. It yeah, it's still a, yeah. a privilege to have that. Yeah, between that seven-course meal and comfort food, sometimes I just like a good stew. Uh, you know, I, I like it all mixed together, and I, and it's good. Yeah, yeah. The other thing uh, gratitude does is it, is it pushes out that critical spirit, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's in, I think it's entirely impossible to be grateful and critical at the same time. Four, Piper says, grow in love. How does that happen? Well, I think in one way, you know, Philippians actually, Philippians 4 says, uh, Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. I think that actually goes toward loving one another, loving uh, what you're hearing. You're picking from what's been delivered, those positive qualities. 
and I think part of it is it's just good to remind ourselves what love is. And and first we need to start by saying love is a person. It's it's Jesus Christ. And so when we go to something like a 1 Corinthians 13, how we need to read it is this is the love that Jesus demonstrated. Sinclair Ferguson has a helpful Advent devotional called Love Came Down at Christmas. Yeah. And he goes through 1 Corinthians 13 as it relates to Jesus Christ. So helpful. Um, Philip Ryken has a book called Loving the Way Jesus Loves, which is applying 1 Corinthians to us through the lens of seeing how Jesus lived it out first. And I think that's a great way to grow in love. Yeah, I think Piper offers here in the article the idea of just memorizing even First Corinthians thirteen four through seven. It's not a very long passage. It's it's a list. It's it's easily doable. But just to to memorize that, to root it deeply into your heart, and then to practice those things. Um, for, love is not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Um, em- embracing that that call to those character attributes of your own personhood will help remove and reduce that nature of criticism so i mean just in a in a practical way even on a, a podcast like this it, it part of it says love doesn't insist on its own way yep. for the podcast to work we as guys in the room have to say i'm not the most important voice in the room and i want to hear what the other guys have to say and so we try to practice this just on the radio like i want to hear what the other guys say i want to know when i should mm-hmm. speak and when i should listen and hopefully it works hopefully we have listeners i don't know so Number six, our five says, ask how criticism helps. This is super helpful. Like one of the most frustrating things, I think even just as a leader, even if we move it out of the context of being a preacher, is when there's criticism with no offered solution or help. You know, anyone can tell me that the tire is flat on the car, um, but a servant says the tire is flat. Let me help you change it. Let me help you loosen those bolts. Let me help you avoid getting a flat in the future. Um, this is just a super helpful question. I think um, if we go back even a step, Jesus lovingly criticized those who needed to hear critique, but it, but he did it in a way that offered them a call back to true righteousness, thinking of the Pharisees, right, who were practicing a false righteousness. So he criticized them for it, but called them with a solution to true righteousness, to to honor and love God with their whole selves, not just with the outward practice of their behavior. Piper Piper takes that, and he, he takes uh, Jesus' statement in the in the Sermon on the Mount, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And he paraphrases that. He says, it doesn't do any good to be anxious. It's pointless. Nothing happens right. Well, why are you anxious? You're accomplishing nothing. And this is what applies that to being critical. Uh, having It's it's what uh, Vinny's saying. <coughs> it doesn't offer a solution to it. It's just being anxious. It's just being critical. It just stops there. Number six, he says, look at the world. What does he mean by that? I, I think it's, you know, you just get a bigger thought, a sense of your place in the world. You are not ultimate. God is ultimate. You know, you are part of the mass of humanity. You are uh, doing your part. You know, this is, I think that um, when you begin to look at how big and how awesome the universe is and the, all of nature, uh, you begin to be amazed at the world you're living in. And this relates a little bit to number seven, praise always. And I think that being part of God's good creation it should result in a, in a heart of praise. I don't, I don't know if, if people have been watching the last couple mornings, but there have just been some incredible sunrises. The, the colors that God has, has painted the sky with um, should have, have you caught, pause and say, what a great God. 
and I have a privilege to know that God and live in his world. And that kind of drives out that critical spirit. Yeah, just uh, it, goes, it connects to multiple of these, but even the spirit of gratitude for the, the world around us. Um, and pay, slowing down, I think, to pay attention to the beauty of the creation of God's design. The subdivision we, we live in has a line of or trees down kind of the main corridor drive through. And I was just thinking even this morning as it snowed last night, those trees are just a picture of God's promise to fulfill the seasons. Today, they were full of snow. Uh, but a few months ago, the leaves were turning. Months before that, they were full of green. And then months before that, they were bare. And just thinking about God's faithfulness to bring about the passing of time and the fulfillment of seasons year after year has, has been a picture of gratitude. In the last minute, let's apply this just to, to what we talked about yesterday about being a sermon listener. Tim Challies has an article called The Danger of Being a Sermon Critic. How does a critical spirit, um, why is it so ne- hurtful with regard to how we listen to sermons? Well, he says, though critiquing the sermon is easy to do, it requires no great skill and no substantial Christian character. Uh, it's easy to criticize. The, the far more difficult thing is to listen respectively and with humility. And so I think as it pertains to listening to sermons, you can get in your own way and, and disrupt what God might be trying to do through his spirit when you're just embittered and, and critical with an ear. I, I think this was impressed upon me when I was uh, going through seminary. And you, you took those homiletic classes. Everybody had to get up and preach a sermon in front of their peers. And, at, and, I, and I just remember thinking to myself that, you know, theological students are cutthroats. They know they know the they probably been in those passages with you at, at one time or another and they so they know that passage and they're expecting to hear a certain thing and they don't hear it and so they as a result they don't hear anything else they're only hearing the echo in their mind of what they would have said and uh, so i think that uh, you know there's a real danger to that you, you're not being ministered to you're trying you're trying to minister to yourself mm-hmm. and uh, instead of hear god's word being spoken to you Be discerning, not critical. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.